What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Hoops Podcast. It's your host with the most. My name is Gifted, and we're back. Before we get into the podcast, I want to officially say thank you to everybody who has sacrificed greatly for this country, and I hope everyone is having a great time during Memorial's Day weekend with their family and their friends. I hope everyone's doing great. I hope the vibes are immaculate. But I officially want to transition ourselves into the beginning of this show with me acknowledging the support that I've been receiving from everybody on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, all of that. I appreciate the the help tremendously. I'm trying to put as much work in as possible on the YouTube side. We're almost at a thousand subscribers. So if you're listening to the audio version, Go on your YouTube, type in Gifted Hoops, subscribe, like it up. I appreciate that. And if you're on the YouTube side, go tap into the Gifted Hoops podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you hear your sports podcast for more content. But now that all that's out the way, let's officially get to the meat and potatoes of what this podcast is going to be, NBA basketball. As you know, it's been a while since our last podcast, but I aim to put these podcasts out at least once a month, two in a week if things get hectic, but I'm aiming to go every Monday of each week. So hold me to that, y'all. Every Monday of each week, you can expect to see one episode of the Gifted Who's podcast at the bare minimum. Just know that. But officially, since the last Gifted Who's podcast, a lot happened. We saw the Denver Nuggets sweep the Lakers. I'm going to be getting into that more because on this podcast, we will be having a guest appearance from my guy Swiper, we sat there and talked about his team. And by the way, Swiper, full name on YouTube is Swiper Cam. So make sure to tap in with him. Avid Denver Nuggets supporter. Sometimes ball knower. You know what I'm saying, Swiper, sometimes. But that's my guy. Go give him all your support on Twitter and YouTube as well. I'll put his links and all of that in the description. But essentially, we had a conversation about the Denver Nuggets. And also, the best playoff series of 2023. That's right, the Celtics versus the Heat. So if you remember from the last Gift of Who's podcast, I'm not going to lie, I thought it was over. I voiced that. It looked as if Jimmy Butler had absolutely captured the hearts of the Boston Celtics. They had Joe Mazzulla in the postgame pretty much admitting that he wasn't doing a great job coaching, and it felt as if he had lost the locker room. A lot of people complained about him. Jalen Brown was getting outplayed by Caleb Martin and Duncan Robinson getting beat off the ball on back cuts. And Jason Tatum wasn't having strong fourth quarters. Like all of these things were happening three games in and Boston wasn't shooting well. So it looked like that team was dead in the water. And a, a team that many expected to go to the NBA Finals would not be going there based on the execution and the heart of the Miami Heat who was led by Bam and Jimmy Butler. But... Ever since those three games, the Celtics have absolutely fought back. They've shot the ball well. Grant Williams has provided great minutes. Derek White has been sensational. We're going to get to him in a minute, obviously. We know why. But they've just been really, really good. And then in a game six, when it mattered most, Boston had had the lead, 10-point lead. The Heat were able to cut into that lead. Jimmy Butler, terrible performance for these past three games. He really stunk it up. Shot the ball badly in this game as well. But down the stretch, Jimmy Butler made a crucial three. He made it and one. Didn't miss the free throw. But after that, had a generational grift on Al Horford from the right three corner three-point line. Shot all three free throws. Made it a one-possession game where the Heat were up by one. And Derek White was the inbounder. Kicks it 
the Heat are trying to guard Tatum to make sure he doesn't shoot the ball. Derek White uses that advantage after inbounding the ball to Marcus Smart, who shot a game-winning three that did not go in. That's right. That that three-point shot from Marcus Smart was an arcing fadeaway three that would have decided the Celtics series. But by the effort of Derek White to know to pass the ball to Smart and run off the inbound to rebound the ball and put it back up, the Celtics survived narrowly by like 0.1 seconds or whatever that time differential was, and they officially take game six. So now a team that everyone thought was dead in the water, a team that after going down 3-0, no other team in NBA history has come back to tell their story. The Celtics are in a prime position to do that and go to back-to-back finals this year after tonight's game seven. So it's going to be a movie tonight. I'm not going to lie. I know the Celtics are favored, but I still have the heat. I just refuse to believe that Eric Spolstra is going to be the first coach in NBA history to blow a 3-0 lead. And I kind of feel like for Boston, it's very on brand to make it this far and then fumble at the very end. So I do think Boston is going to lose. But much respect to Boston because they absolutely can win game seven. But I'm just rolling with the heat. I think Jimmy Butler has been terrible in these last three games. I just cannot believe that Jimmy Butler, of all people, is going to be going out like that in this series. So for me... I expect to see a lot more from him in this game. I think Bam will also play a better game as well. But Boston could easily just mollywop them and the series is over. But I think Game 7 is going to be pivotal. I think this is a historic moment for both franchises because I think whichever franchise loses is going to have to go through some serious shakeups in the offseason. I think if you're Boston, if you lose this series, winning these three games straight tells you that you have the talent, but the execution of that talent together was not enough. I don't think Joe Mazzulla gets fired, but the Jalen Brown contract becomes a legitimate talking point to deal with, especially after he made All-NBA. So now he's eligible for the five-year 287 Supermax. So these are convos Boston has to have. And if you're the Heat, their roster just isn't good enough around Jimmy Butler and Bam. They have to find a way to improve their roster. They want to continue contending as Jimmy ages and as Bam ages. So it's a lot that's going to happen. There's a, it's a lot at stake here. And obviously for the Heat, blowing a 3-0 lead and being the first team to do so, the Heat culture that we love to acknowledge and talk about is going to always be stained by a 3-0 defeat. It just will. So I can't wait to see what happens in this Game 7. If you want to tap in, if you're listening on the audio version of this podcast, tap into the YouTube. We will be doing a YouTube watch party stream on my YouTube at Gifted Hoops. But we're also on Discord. Um, my Discord is also Gifted Hoops, but if you're looking for those links, those links are in the description on the YouTube side of things that are also in my bio on my Twitter. So make sure to tap in for all things Gifted on all of those sides. But without further ado, I want to get into the conversation I had with my guy Swipe Again. Make sure to go follow him. Again, all these links will be in the description. Let's get right to that conversation. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode, everybody. Hope y'all having a great spectacular wonderful day uh this is your boy swipe can we are back with gifted x hoops my dog back for episode three i think this is your well, four this is your fourth episode yeah together we've done together and then it's your third that we've done i think in the last couple of weeks with nba basketball man but i ain't gonna hold you bro we ain't talked uh since like last weekend and there's been a lot of stuff that's transpired a lot of stuff that's happened around the nba obviously the nuggets they swept the lakers even i didn't expect that and then now 
you know, after being down 0-3, the Celtics have forced a game seven. Uh, I mean, it's just like we could be looking at a potential all-time collapse from the Miami Heat. So a lot of stuff to get into. But, bro, how you feeling, man? How's your day? How you feeling about everything you've seen in the playoffs so far? Well, first off, I hope everyone is having a great weekend. Obviously, the holiday is on Monday, so I hope everyone takes time to be with their people and wait, their loved ones. Hey, we ain't got yeah. work tomorrow. I completely forgot about that. Hey, Memorial let's Day go. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Game seven is on Memorial Day, which is wild. Like, there's, right. there's so much time. So I hope everyone is able to have a great off day and weekend. But basketball has been wild. Like, I want you, Swiper, to think about what you just said, right? The Denver Nuggets swept the Los Angeles Lakers. We were going through the series, and I'm like, I think I think LA's better at home. Like, right. maybe they take one. They got swept, and that's right. a sentence we can say in 2023. The Denver right. Nuggets franchise not only swept the Lakers, but they are in the NBA Finals. For you, it's got to be crazy. Nah, bro, I'm telling you, man. The, the, well, let me ask you this, like, so the fact that the Lakers just got swept and the fact that the Denver Nuggets have their first sweep in franchise history on their way to their first finals in franchise history, for you, like, what's the most important part or the more significant thing you felt like you learned from the Western Conference Finals? I think the most significant thing that I learned is the resilience of the Denver role players. Uh, specifically, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Aaron Gordon. And I say this because this was a guy that was looked at to be a guy that could just dunk, right? Like, like in right. his time, right, for the whole NBA, before he got to Denver, they looked at him as this guy that's just super athletic, conduct the ball, but he wasn't looked at as a complete basketball player. Right, bro. And the way that he, like, strapped in defensively, but also the mental confidence to know that, okay, I might get pulled earlier in, in game three, but in game four, he came out and said, I'm going to be confident. I'm going to shoot my shot. And he made three of six threes in mm -hmm. the biggest game that mattered. He he was he was so fun to watch. And that Denver team really rallied around themselves and everyone contributed. Michael Porter Jr., the, right. the oh, my God. A, his defense has been a lot better than I mm -hmm. thought it would be, number one. But the assists, the the calmness of his mm -hmm. decision making, the extra passes, like it was outstanding. And the last but not least, you you have to shout out Calvin Booth because again, KCP in the non-Jokic minutes in, in Game Three absolutely took yeah. over and and just put on a shot making clinic. Like this Denver team showed that it's not just Jamal, it's not just Jokic. This is a complete roster right. of talent that can show up. Right. Y'all, and, and everybody, by the way, make sure y'all like and subscribe if you're on Gifted's Please channel do. or if you're just getting to know who Gifted is. Make sure you like and subscribe to his channel. If you're on the Mile High Sports side, make sure that you follow him as well. If you're on the Gifted side, make sure you like and subscribe to the Mile High Sports channel. Um, we're continuing to build up over here, man. But, yeah, bro, I think it's crazy, man, that, like, Aaron Gordon, at every turn, like, you know, he had to defend Anthony Edwards. Going into that series, they said, well, AG's not a good defender on players like that. Actually did a really good job. And then he went into the series versus Kevin Durant and Booker, and everybody's like, Aaron Gordon, not that type of defender. He can't do that. And then he held Devin Booker. Well, Devin Booker, I think, had a 60% percentage uh, shooting versus AG, but he also shot 80% over the course of a two-game sample size. So yeah, like, it was wild. Yeah. Right. Outside of that, you know, he did a really good job. And then and he held Kevin Durant to some 40% over the course of that series. 
But then up until game four, gifted, he actually had held LeBron underneath 50% on his field goals. But, you know, LeBron, you know, he had that 40, 10, and 9 game in game four. He went four. out swinging, man. Yeah. Bro, he had 31 points in the first half. And I was just like, all right. But I knew that LeBron was kind of, you know, in first quarter, he had 21 points. Oh, yeah, his energy is sapped. I, you know, yeah. He, yeah. He just can't carry that all game. I, I knew Swiper, and, like, we said this a little bit in the postgame, right? But I, I knew after that half had concluded that LeBron gave it his all in his first half. It's going to be on Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves to step up, and they did not. The ball went away from Austin Reeves. Anthony Davis right. was 3 of 15, I'm pretty sure, headed into the fourth quarter. Right. Right. Tough. Gross. So, Anthony – and I, I think the Anthony Davis thing – so Anthony Davis, I want to say, averaged like maybe 28. Let me see. Anthony Davis. Let me see what he averaged, bro. Because I feel like he actually did very well in the series from like a counting stat standpoint. But it's just that like the competition he went up against. So 80 in that series, 26.8, 14 rebounds, 2.8 blocks. And he shot, what is this, uh, 49% from the field, 50% from three. But he only shot the three. Four yeah. times, so it doesn't really count. Right. He shot 87.5% from the line on 40 attempts. Uh, but he was a minus 36 in the series. Didn't have a game where Insane. he was in the positive. But do you feel like Anthony Davis actually didn't play well in that series, or he just like was just outclassed? So I feel like game one, Anthony Davis had a really strong game. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as the series progressed, his defensive impact started to lessen. And the offensive inconsistency started to pile up more and more and more and more and more. And, like, outside of him effectively, you know, being able to get to the free throw line, in a lot of these games, in the second halves and specifically in third quarters, Anthony Davis sometimes would be nowhere to be found. Like, it was a bit weird because he's obviously a really good player. If you just go by those numbers, you would think he had, like, a sensational series. But you cannot look at Anthony Davis and say – this is the same Anthony Davis impact that you saw versus my team, sadly, in Golden State. Like, his impact in that series was far greater than the Denver series. Like, well, they had LeBron James is, trying to front Jokic, you know? What do you think that's attributed to? Do you think that's just the, the, the level of competition that they were going up against that he was able to elevate that well? Or what do you think it was? Okay, so I think it's the lack of size Golden State had compared to Denver and... I also think like the style of how things worked because they tried to have other players basically front Jokic so Anthony Davis could roam. But the problem is there's spacing and shooters everywhere. And Anthony Davis stood no chance one-on-one individually when he was posting up Jokic. And they really needed him to do that more so than anything else because the lineups that they would play trying to get that off just didn't really make much sense. And right. I think versus Golden State, he had a clear offensive advantage and a clear defensive advantage as well for that entire series. So to me, it's more of a matchups thing for Anthony Davis in those two series. Yeah, and and you know, look, I, I I'm not one of those people that is like super down on eighty after this series. I mean, bro, right. like again, I love Jason Temp. Jason Temp, the volume. We've had him on on the show before. Um, he does great work. But you know, he going into the series, he said Anthony Davis was the best player in the world because. You know, he had just outplayed Steph Curry in the series before. In his mind, in his mind, he had outplayed Steph Curry. Could you win the series? You had the better player, right? That's kind of his methodology. He won a championship three years ago. And then in the first round, he dominated the Memphis Grizzlies. So he had made the 
the he had put the idea out there that he was the best player in the series, and that whoever wins that matchup is going to kind of you know who takes the reins from that. But he thought he thought that it was going to be like a fairly like equal battle. But that's the thing, Gibson. I'm just like, bro, I really don't. Yeah, I think people watch Joker, but I don't really think they've really spent a lot of time. They did not watch Joker. Joker. They did not watch Joker. I can confidently tell you, Swiper, that these people <laughs> did not watch the Denver Nuggets. Uh, but he, but he, but he, he covers the NBA. Yeah. But he covers the NBA, I, and he's he's talking about the game. But it's almost like I think people have this idea gifted that mm-hmm. somehow Joker is affected by who's on the other side of the court. Like that's going to affect his gameplay, you know? Yeah, I I just man, like this Denver team all season long has been good, and, and I just have to believe, you know, for my personal sanity, Swiper, that a lot of these people just did not watch this Denver team play basketball because what Jokic did should not be surprising anybody. For years, he's been in the best player in the world conversation. I even said last year, like, okay, we beat Denver, sure, but Denver is clearly out, man, and Jokic still had a phenomenal overall series, especially after those first two games. So me seeing them come back, with a loaded roster of guys who can shoot the ball, play defense. And also, we get to see the Jamal Murray and Jokic two-band game. Like, I kept saying this too, right? You can't trade Jamal Murray. I don't care what, like, their impact together as a twosome, they're still young. You got to see that through. And they've shown that time and time again, and that's how you're in the finals. Like, the yin and yang between Jamal Murray, you know, being super shot aggressive, the excellent off-ball screening, from from Jokic and, and the mm-hmm. slips and the passes, that two man game is the key to you guys winning the chip. In my opinion, what do you? So remember, in gifted y'all, this is why I say y'all gonna follow the gifted, and even on Twitter, and gifted, we have to make sure that once the once the playoffs are over, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm thinking about making like almost like a PDF of like a top twenty five players thing, like kind of okay. like you see with the ringer and all that stuff. It's gonna take some work, but I feel like at this point, it's kind of you know I think I can make the time to do that this offseason. I think that'd be a lot of fun. But I think, um, you know, when we did the – remember we did the uh, elite role players? What, what, were, what were the categories oh, yeah, that we had laid out? Yeah. Uh, so we made up like a, like a whole tier list of the role players um, in the league. It was uh, mm-hmm. superstar role players, elite, uh, and strong high level, role players. Yeah, yeah, High-level yeah. role players, yeah. Yeah. Um, after that, I think it, uh, mid. You know, so, right. so like – Overall, those those were the tears. I remember right. people uh, 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 arguing about Gordon and I think KCP in terms of where they would be. They would definitely go up after this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not a question. Yeah, and remember, with, remember we uh, we didn't the uh, number two option thing, and I think we we had Jamal Murray in there at the uh, at the top of the list. But I think a lot of people were because you know he we know he has to be, but can he be? But again. Right. Even I mean, I'm you know I've been a supporter of Jamal Murray for years, but even I couldn't have predicted that Jamal Murray in the Western Conference Finals would average 32.5 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, 5.3 assists. He averaged 2.8 steals, and he shot 53, 41, yep. 95 in the series. Yep. 53, 41, 95 in the series. So, what did you think about Jamal as you saw him in that series? Did he exceed expectations? Like, did, and, and where did you have him? So, and I guess going into the series, did you have him like he was going to be the fourth best player in the series? And then at the end of the series, where did you have him after, based on play? Yeah. So, okay. I thought that for Jamal Murray, right? 
I thought he was always a super talented player. He's never made all-star. He's never made a, a, a all-NBA. But the shot making that this guy can do in the flow of your offense and the way that he can take over games, I've seen it firsthand. Like, he's, he's a very good player. Coming into the Lakers series, I thought he would be better than LeBron. A lot of people didn't, but the entire playoffs, LeBron just ha has not been at his same level. And I thought Jamal Murray, in terms of the movement spacing and the way that he's able to still get to the rim and the fact that he's a bigger guard, which means guys like D'Lo and, and Dennis cannot guard him at all. Like, all I right. thought he would be good. But the proficiency and the timeliness of the way he scored, like, this is by far his best series. And to do it against the best defense in the league coming in, coming into the series really holds weight to me. I mm. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So Devin Booker is a better player than Jamal. You know, yeah. I think we all agree with that, uh, especially regular season. Devin Booker averaged 36 and a half, basically. And, uh, you know, he did it off the, the Clippers series, the Nuggets series. I mean, he might have, I think he might have dropped down to 31 or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Right. Um, but Devin Booker had a 37 points a game series on 70% true shooting in the first round. So if you had to even say, are you more impressed or as near or almost nearly as impressed with what Jamal did versus the Lakers or with Devin Booker versus Devin Booker and what he did versus the Clippers in the first round? Like does a level of competition matter for you? Like how do you how would you rate that? So for me, it's it's a very interesting conversation, right? Because my gut instinct says the answer will be Booker. And right. I say this because I don't think anyone had in their 2023 NBA playoffs bingo card, <laughs> right? That the guy that the Suns traded their unprotected picks for would be the second best player in back-to-back -back playoff series. And that's how good Devin Booker was. But right. I'm not really moved by the level of competition from the Clippers because A, I still believe if Kawhi Leonard plays in that series, they arguably beat the Suns. And B, mm. they they just overall were not a great matchup in terms of being able to guard Booker. Their answer was Westbrook, you're gonna do a, a great job in spurts, and Kawhi, you're gonna take us home. But the adjustments from from Ty Lue and how mid the Clippers were at doing that for the entire series wasn't that great. And KD wasn't great. So for Booker mm. to rise to that level and be by far the best player outside of uh, uh, Kawhi after he got hurt, that right. that means something. But the competition is not the same, in right. my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Norman Powell went for a 42-point game in that series. Russ looked like he was going to get a $10 million year contract. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, again, man, like, I I'm really curious, you know, because I, I was listening to the volume the other day, and there was uh, these two gentlemen on there that basically one of them made the argument that, hey, I don't care what nobody says. I think I think you got to put Jamal Murray's in the top 15 players in the NBA conversation after this run. And I was like, mm, that seems pretty high. But let me ask you, Gifted, can we do these ranking steps all the time? I think 15 to 20, that's getting into your, like, DeMontis Sabonis range or De'Aaron Fox range or who else made All-NBA? Uh, your Jalen Brown range. Is that is that about, like, where you think if, if, if Jamal Murray keeps this up through the finals, do you think he stays in that category or can he even like, can he even like go a little ahead of that because of what he's yeah. done in the playoffs? So it's, it's such a hard conversation specifically with him because right. I feel like people 
are waiting for Jamal to have like this all-star, all-NBA full season. But undoubtedly in the playoffs when it matters most, Jamal can be at that level, if not higher. And it's like mm-hmm. us looking at that and evaluating that to other players that might have stronger campaigns during the regular season, but not in the playoffs. It's like, how do you you know go about that? What I would say is, based on the ability of these players to thrive against elite defenses, Jamal's mm. skill set is easily up there. Like the uh, off-ball spacing, the footwork, the post-ups. Post game, yeah. Like, like people underrate how strong he is and how tall of a guard he is to be able to get those things off. And again, outside of Donovan Mitchell, which, you know, still I would say Jamal's shot making can be on a similar tier. It's like that that variance of who Jamal is as an all-around player to me matters. Because also... You're not going to be aggressively hunting Jamal Murray yeah. on defense either. That matters to me. So right now, um, let's say uh, Jimmy Butler in the playoffs is in isolation, getting 5.5 isolation point attempts per game. He's averaging okay. 1.07 point per possession, which is, you know, that's, that's very good. Now, Jason Tatum is getting 4.5. He's at 110, like 1.10. That's like, oh, wow. Devin Booker <laughs> was getting 4.5 at 1.22, which goes to show you how crazy his shooting and stuff was. Uh, Jamal Murray, uh, so far in the playoffs, uh, Jamal Murray is sitting at, he's getting 2.3 possessions per game, and he's at a 1.111. So he's at where Jason, he's a, just, a, just a tinge above where Jason Tatum is as an isolation scorer, and Jamal Murray's shooting 50% from the field on those isolation possessions as well. So I think if you just put his entire game into play, like what he's been able to do in the post-up and in isolation, ball screens, off-ball, transition. I, I think, man, you know, I, I, I felt some type of way this year. People said Jalen Brunson was better than him just because I was like, I think Jalen Brunson is being activated as the best player on a mixed team that doesn't yeah. have near as good of a team or near as good of another player. I think, I honestly believe, bro, that if Jamal Murray was given full control over a team, I think he's a 25, 6, and 5 player pretty easily on good efficiency. I just don't think he has the opportunity to do that in Denver because Denver's not even, they're not like a high, like, they're not a high opportunity system for individuals really outside of of Nikola Jokic, really. And and Jokic only shot the ball 14.8 times per game. Jamal shot the ball 16 times a game last year. Right. So it's not like they were taking a bunch of shots. Yeah. It's it's such an interesting conversation to me because sometimes I think Jamal has like this yin-yang to where it's like sometimes he wants to get his shot going. Right. And sometimes it's like the simpler read would be to give Jokic the post-up when you see uh, Anthony Davis is guarding you out on the perimeter and he right. has like a, you know, really good seal. But then the counter to that is he's just going to make this shot over Anthony Davis. And it's like, right. well, <laughs> how do you grade that? You know, like, I I really don't know. But he's a very, very, very talented player. And these conversations around Jamal are definitely going to shift. Because, again, like, the level of, of just answer, like, the answer Jamal provided every time. When Jokic is in foul trouble, Jamal, 20-point fourth quarter in the closeout game, right? 30 points in the first half or whatever it was like Jamal just found ways to be super impactful 
and mm -hmm. answer the bell every time. And defensively, he was not getting cooked. I think a lot of people have this weird notion that he's mm -hmm. not like this great defender, fine, but he's not a liability to where every possession is hunt Jamal, hunt Jamal, hunt Jamal. Right. It's not really like that. Yeah, I mean, really, only time I was noticing it was when LeBron was putting him in the post when they were conceding that switch, which, again, LeBron was doing that to Steph Curry. Yeah. He was doing it to John Moran <laughs> if he had an yes. opportunity to. He's going to do that to everybody. But this, this is what I'm saying. People were arguing he should be the Western Conference Finals MVP, which is fine. I didn't care. I didn't care either way. But of course. you know how good you have to play for Jokic to average 28, 15, and 12? And for you to be in the argument for a Western Conference player of the, of the, of the series, like, yeah, right. that speaks to how great Jamal was over that run. So, I mean, I was incredibly, uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. defense was incredible the entire series. His he rebound played well. was spectacular. His shot making. KCP, who just a 12 points in the third quarter in game three, I think, like, <laughs> yeah. or game four. Like, his ability just to do what he needs to do. And then Jokic was in foul trouble. He went out with seven minutes left in the third quarter. He was getting isolation buckets. Like, he, right, he, he was bro. literally taking the ball, like, no no help. It was literally creating, like, like, like jab, jab step, right. pull up threes. Like, it was right. it was insane. It was insane what he did. Right. KCP's been great this whole year, man. Um, yeah. And then, you know, nobody talks about this because, you know, I've been first take, undisputed. They've been all over the Lakers and LeBron's fake retirement and all that stuff. So, you can't, they haven't right. talked about it at all. Jokic has now two career game series ending shots in his career. Series ending. He hit the shot over Anthony Davis to win this game oh, yeah. with 50 seconds left. Just bully through him. And nobody said anything about it. Nobody got to talk about these shots, by the way, because like I, right, I watched that game three times, right? So I, uh, I just <laughs> made a YouTube compilation of it. And it's like the shots Jokic was hitting. And like, I love this, right? Because a lot of people said Jokic is so efficient at basketball because he takes easy shots. But it's like, even, even if you go back to the bubble, he was hitting like dirt, Carmelo, fade away, heavily contest. And then in this right. series, you have in game one, like the, the big three that he hit to end out the third quarter. And mm -hmm. then in game four, he made not one, but two. Because there was a, another play where he shot a leaning three over LeBron James, step back, step improbable, back. <laughs> right? And then on Anthony Davis in isolation, when the play's not going anywhere, Jokic makes another one over Anthony Davis. And it's like, how do we just say all he can do is pass when he's right. making impossible shots on the perimeter and he's killing you in the paint at the same time? And then if you double him, what is he going to do? He has a wide spaced out floor of guys who can knock down shots and he's going to find them. He was... Mm -hmm. Amazing, amazing, right. amazing, amazing. Yeah, bro. So it's crazy, man. Let's get to this uh, Celtics Heat series, man. Uh, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> you know, somebody, somebody asked, you know, before, like, do you ever think a team's gonna come back from 03? In my mind, I was like, yeah. I mean, maybe at some point in our lifetime, but that just doesn't seem like a four straight games. Down Four three is so tough. Four That's a so lot, bro. Yeah, like, I, you got to play know, perfect bro. basketball. And, man, when they got up 0-3, I was like, oh, yeah, this is over at, at least six. Like, or at the most six. I think this might be over five at the most six. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy Butler forgot how to play basketball. Bam folded back into being whatever he is in the regular season. Tatum has played very well. Smart's played very well. Derek White, Horford. Bro, and that was tied up 3-3 going into Boston. 
on Monday. First off, thoughts on the series and who wins? Who's going to win that series? Okay, so so listen, right? Every night of the playoffs, we've been doing watch party streams on YouTube and in the Discord. And then, you know, as you know, we've done spaces at halftime and post game. So right. I've been closely watching every game of this. And for the Heat, the number one thing that stands out is in the first three games, they could not have an answer for Jimmy Butler. Right. He was attacking White. He was killing White. Fine. But Bam Adebayo goes super underrated because in the first three games, the way that he dictated pace, his defense on Tatum and Brown specifically in the second halves of games, right. the way that he would get the rebound, push. He was playing the Bam Adebayo basketball that I saw in the bubble. Like Bam in the bubble versus this same Boston team was, was so insane. But then in the last three games, on post-up possessions, I'm pretty sure Bam is is uh, 0.02, like really inefficient points per possession from the post-ups. It's been really, really bad. They're blitzing him harder, so he's turning the ball over. And Jimmy Butler right. deserves slander because as good as Butler has been for the entire you know postseason run, in these last three games, if Jimmy Not Butler good. played better, it's been bad. It's been very, very, very bad. And the fact that you lose the game you do where, by the way, Butler had a Hall of Fame grip. Hall of Fame grip. He's on the baseline from Al Horford, sells it, gets the call, makes all three free throws. And then on the other end, they are trying to stop Tatum from getting the ball. Boston's season swiper is determined by a Marcus Smart pull-up fadeaway three. And Derek White gets the putback. And it's like, Boston shot 20% from three in that game. And I've been saying for the entire series, right, Swiper, is Boston has never been a good team in terms of if the game is close, their execution comes into question. So I was saying, okay, if the threes aren't falling, can Boston win a game? And they did. Hey, hold on, Gifted. How good is Boston? Yeah, they're good. (laughs) No, wait, wait, wait. Philly took them to seven. Philly took them to seven. Bad Embiid and a bad Harden. Yes, they did. The Heat have taken them to seven. Yeah. I mean, are they just that inconsistent or are they just not as good as we all thought they would be coming Look, to the playoffs? I have the best The Hawks took you. them to six. The, the Hawks took them to six. By the way, we know DeJounte Murray <laughs> in one of those games. But, <laughs> but, right, I have the perfect uh, analogy for you, Swiper, right? And this is for my ed- educated people who, who, like, went to college and had to deal with uh, this 12-page paper is due at 12 p.m. This Boston Celtics team is a team that understands the assignment and they start the assignment at 8 p.m., a 12-page paper, and it's due at 11.59. And they're just, okay, I'm going to lock in now. But they somehow find a way to answer the call. Like, every time their backs have been against the wall, this Boston team just plays better. I don't know what it is, but they've been doing it. And now they have a game seven to prove if they can do it again. I don't know. Bro, that wow. reminds me of a time, bro, my freshman year of college, right? I'm in, uh, I think this is Black Psychology Cast or Block. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. And um, the let me tell you how crazy this is. We had a 10-page paper due at the end of the year. I had no idea. This goes to show you how not leaned into this class <laughs> that I, I knew about. I had right. no idea. The only reason I found out is because I was in a dorm, like this girl's dorm with my homeboy and another girl at 5 a.m. Their roommate came in that I had class with and said, have you finished your paper? Again, granted, we are not here for school. 
I'm right. here because we had just been hanging out all night and we're just relaxing downtime type deal. She walks in the door and tells me, hey, did you finish your paper? And I said, what paper? She told me about a 10-page paper. I spent the, the next from 10 to like 8 that night in the library yeah. writing that 10-page paper and turning it in. I got like a, a C-plus on it, which I was perfectly fine with because it was going to be an F. I wasn't right. going to have anything. Yeah. That's what the Celtics are, to your point. That is quite literally what they are because because <laughs> like – like, Bro, in the Philadelphia series, right, the definition of this team folded in game five when, when Brown helps off of off of Embiid, gives up the hard three. They look dead in the water. But then in the game six, with well, five minutes to go, after Tatum starts the game, one for 14, right. makes these threes to force the game seven, they blow them out in game seven. That is the right. definition of we wait until it's, it's absolutely the last minute to hoop, but then we hoop. Like, it's, it's just absolutely crazy and the funny part is Jalen Brown who I feel like a lot of people have kind of overrated just just a touch because a lot of people said that he's a 300 million dollar man they should give him the supermax Jalen Brown was outplayed by Caleb Martin and Duncan Robinson in like two to three games in this entire series and Brown has his best game of the series last night because as good as Tatum was right Tatum had 25 points in the first half he finished the right. game with 29 he went one for nine from the field brown had 15 points it's just wild what we're seeing so here bro let me ask you the real question yeah who do you think is gonna win in this series and then do you think either of those teams will beat the different nuggets in the finals okay man i'm not gonna lie to you game seven is quite literally anybody's game i'm gonna give you my answer um it does not look good for the heat because they lost a game where Boston shot 20% from three, but right. I'm going to tell you what my th- thought process is, okay? I refuse to accept the idea of a team coming back from down 3-0 and winning the series, in my mind. I think that now the pressure has shifted from the heat to Boston. I know that sounds wild, right? right. But think about the context. Boston right. thinks they're dead in the water. We got to fire our coach. We can't do anything <laughs> about this. They, they, they went three games straight. Now you're at home in a close game, 10-point game in the fourth quarter. How right. do they respond? I think the Heat are are built for those moments. I think they've been bad for the last three games. But I think it's on Jimmy and Bam to step up and play better. And I think that they will. They can absolutely lose that. But I have the Heat. I still have the Heat going to the finals. Um, I still believe that they can and will win. But my goodness, it's literally 50% chance to 50% chance. Game seven is all about how your best players perform when you're in that moment. Because all this weird stuff about back cuts and, and you know, these adjustments are cool. I agree. Like, I, I love X's and O's. You know this, Swiper. But when it comes down to a game seven, your best player has got to be the best. Who right. wants it more in that game seven is really what it comes down You think Jimmy Butler will, will be able to outplay Jason Tatum in, in Boston in the game seven? Oh man, Jason Tatum is five and one in career games. He's seven. five and one. That's a real thing. That's I know. A real thing. I know. I know. Okay, my 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 reason for saying yes, Swiper, is because as good as Jason Tatum has been, again in that game six that we just watched, Tatum went one for nine in the second half, and Jimmy and Bam were bad for the entire game up until the last couple of possessions. That came down to possession for possession. As right. bad as Butler's been in these last three games, I still trust him because I personally believe 
that Jimmy Butler is a better player than Jason Tatum. That's my belief. So I think the Heat are still going to win this in seven games. This can age terribly. Right. But I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that. Here, man. This is what I don't know. Chad. Go. Go to your place. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Go to your place. Down. No. Down. Sorry. I'm getting distracted. Okay. So this is this is my only thing. Is... I truly do not know who's going to show up in Game 7 for the Miami Heat. Because all of a sudden, their role players were great. But Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they were nowhere to be seen at all until the fourth quarter. So, I I truly do not know what's going to happen. But I'll say this. I predicted the Celtics in 7 before the series started. (laughs) But it was the dumbest. It was the dumbest way ever to get here. The dumbest way ever. At first, I thought I was like, "What about the losing five? Yep, they're gonna lose in six, and now they legitimately might win the series." And so I picked the Celtics in seven. But this is the most non-sure I've ever felt about a seven-game series I've ever picked in my life. One thousand percent. One thousand. So yeah, I like want the Heat to win because I want to see Jimmy Butler get it done and keep up this magic school bus run that he's on right now. But at the end of the day, they're also not the better team, and they never were the better team. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. I don't know, man. Just, I, I don't really believe in the Celtics. Uh, I, I, I don't. They just, they keep doing it. They, this is who they've been all year. They're losing to OKC Thunder by 50 with no shade, Gilgis Alexander. Yep. And then they'll put up a master class versus these really good teams that time. And then they'll look really great versus the Sixers. But, bro, man, like, they could they could barely be the Sixers team with a, I almost said that. I'm disrespectful. With a player who's not a playoff riser nah, in the middle say of the court. It, say it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and James Harden, who crumbled in a game seven. And then now, I don't know if Jimmy Butler's going to crumble. So I'm going to say that I think my mind says the Celtics will win the game. But also, I'm like, they can't beat them four straight times. Eric's to choking four, four straight games. Did, so did they get any blame for that? Around. Did he get any blame for that? Honestly, I feel like you can blame him in terms of some of the players playing, but I'm not going to lie. 90% of this has to be on Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. It has to be. It has to be to me. What? What is – hold on, man. Let me confirm this, man, because I need to see. Can everybody uh, – even uh, – I don't know if you watched Gilbert Arena's show at all, but when they were uh, talking about the best players in the playoffs – they were basically arguing, you know, you know, Jimmy Butler because he has less to work with and, and this, this, and that, which, you know, I understand the argument, but, you know, they're just trying to pick the trendy pick. Right. Jimmy Butler's last three games, 22 points, eight rebounds, six assists, 36.5% from the field, yes. 30% from three, 81% from the line, minus 44. Terrible. Terrible. That's nasty, bro. That's nasty work. That's nasty work. And and, and Swiper, the funniest part is <laughs> if they just don't give up a Derek White game winner, we're talking about, oh, Jimmy Butler, like clutch clutch three at the end, clutch and one, clutch three free throws in a row. And we're not talking about it. But the fact they were in a game seven, you can reference that and you're right. Because that's, that's what it's been. But if he didn't choke away, let me let me make sure I got this right. Yeah. He was 5 of 21 from the field yesterday. Yes, he was. Yeah. And he also shot 12 of 14 from the free throw line. So that saved him. But if you make 
one more, two more shot, and he missed some layups. If you're average, if you are a average Jimmy Butler, just just average, you win the game. Bro, you win the game now, if you're average. Yeah. Now you have to deal with Game Seven Tatum, and it's a real thing. It's yeah. a real thing. It is so Jimmy, thing. it's on you. Last year, you failed the team. Well, you didn't fail the team. You missed the game-winning three because you wanted to go up and have the walk-off shot. This year, you had a five of twenty-one performance. You have to make it up. You, got you have to. to. You got but to again, I'm going to ask you again, Gifted. Both of these teams will have two days off before they face the Nuggets in the finals. Two. The Nuggets yeah. have been chilling since like Monday. Gifted. Do you think either of these teams will beat the Nuggets in the playoffs? I'm not going to lie to you, Swipe, but they've been off so long. Jokic would have had time to go back to the crib and go <laughs> with his horses and come back. That that's that's how much Denver is chilling. Denver is in the ultimate power position. I think the Heat, while the coaching is great, they just don't have the talent to keep up with Denver in my mind. I said that on the last podcast. But for the Celtics, it's really a variant team. If they shoot 40% from three, 50% of their shot profile for the most part is threes. Right. So that will be their path to beating Denver. But if you're asking me straight up, no. I think Denver is a champion. I really do. I think their their team is good. And I think no matter what, Jokic will be the best player in either series. And I lean towards best player and best yeah. team to win playoff games. Yeah, so no. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my methodology too, bro. I mean, it's going to be a – it'll be – they're going to be close games. And I yeah. think I haven't – I'm not going to make a series pick until – Monday or Tuesday. I, I, I'm trying to think. I think Tuesday or Wednesday if we're going to do our series picks. Um, but, yeah, yeah, man, I, I just, you know, I'm looking at the Heat, and I'm just like, bro, if the Heat got to come into Denver after playing Boston after seven games, whoo, man. Um, you know, and, but the, the Celtics have the better team. They got the better matchup. But and they got home not, court, too. Yeah, They got home court, which yeah. doesn't mean anything because they have a losing home court record, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Um, they don't like playing in TD Garden, apparently. Um, I don't know, bro. I have no idea. I think that the Heat are going to do their best to win the game. The Celtics should win the game, and I think the Heat do win the game. So, we'll see. That's why I can't just, just outright say Boston for sure has Game 7, because Game 7 is at home. And I'm telling you, like, if they don't blow them out, the pressure that's going to be on Boston to make history and come back from down 3-0... Right. If it's a 10-point ten, ten game in the fourth quarter, that pressure is going to build up crazy in that building. And no disrespect, but as a Warriors fan, I've seen that building crumble <laughs> in those moments last I've year. I've seen it crumble. <laughs> I have. You know? Oh, man. Hey, I appreciate y'all. Uh, make sure y'all go follow Gifted on this platform if you're not already. Follow Gifted on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter handle and your YouTube handle and all that? Yeah, so uh, all platforms is Gifted Hoops on Twitter. Someone already had the username Gifted Hoops, so it's going to be Gifted X Hoops on Twitter. Um, I also appreciate everyone who have been tapping in to the stuff. I'm seeing a lot of success on my channel and all that, and I appreciate that. Big shout out to, to Swipe as well for doing these pods with me because I've, you know, put respect on Denver for the entire season. So them being in the position that they are isn't surprising, but Gifted Hoops on all platforms. Um, I, I also have a podcast that, you know, is ironically called Gifted Hoops as well. So I'll be having this conversation with Swipe on there as well. But big shout out, man. Um, it's been crazy things in the NBA, Swiper. And we talked about this preseason. Like, the teams that we looked at was Denver, 
potentially the Lakers. Actually, no. We no, say we had Denver Lakers. the Warriors. I think Denver Warriors. And Denver Clippers. Warriors, Boston. I think we said Philly, maybe. Maybe yeah. Philly. The Bucks. Bucks, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just it's just yo the Bucks went out in the first round. Right. Philadelphia chokes game six and seven, so they're out. Golden State loses their series to Lonnie Walker. Like it's right. it's it's crazy. Insane series yeah. so far. Yeah, I think the first three I had the Warriors number one seed, Nuggets two seed, and then I had the Clippers three seed. I yeah. then had the uh the Bucks one seed, Celtics two seed. Uh, then I had uh, the uh, the 76ers, the three seed, which actually went all being right. Um, and I think I picked the Bucks Celtics in, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that didn't happen. So, um, and I think I picked the Nuggets versus the Warriors in the Conference Finals, and that one didn't happen either. But, right. uh, you know, it's been a crazy year, y'all. But look, y'all, make sure y'all subscribe, show love. Make sure whoever you like getting your favorite NBA content from, follow Gifted. Go to my Twitter if you don't already follow me. Again, you know what I mean? I'll be on there every day. Y'all need to talk, ask a question, let me know. Y'all, my people swiping game. We just crossed 10,000 subscribers, so we will be going to Serbia this year. So this is crazy, y'all. We built it up. Mile High Sports, shout out to y'all. Shout out to all the partners. Everybody making this possible. And that'll do it. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube side of things, on the audio platform that you guys are listening on. Make sure to download the episode. Share with your friend, your D1 Hooper cousin. Your boy, who, whoever y'all know, spread this out. We want to get the Get The Who's podcast growing as much as possible. The content will be leveling up astronomically. You have my promise on that. But I appreciate all the support. I'll catch you guys in the next Get The Who's podcast. Peace out, people.